Game of Thrones is over! Long live Game of Thrones! Hey there, and welcome to Westeros Weekly, the show that answers your biggest questions about every episode of Game of Thrones. We are fresh back from New York, kinda hungover. I think I left my hat there. Uh, I'm <laughs> Philip Molina. And I'm Eric Voss. Hi. Hi. Uh, woo, we had a hell of a show, guys. Yes. It was so amazing to get to meet so many of you uh, out in Brooklyn. Uh, thanks to the Hotel Redline for that. Um, that was like the exact experience I wanted to have. I wanted to watch it with so many uh, amazing fans. Everybody in that room was a diehard fan. Uh, and we got to, to experience so many of the best moments with them. Oh, yeah. It, I, we've never had that experience before of seeing it with a huge group, with, with all the highlights of the episode, just feeling that much more punctuated, uh, like when Jon Snow kills Daenerys. And, so that, that got yeah. that huge reaction, yeah. and, and uh, which I, I thought could not be topped. Uh, but it was. And you, you to see it. I think it was. It may have been topped. You can definitely see me on the on the side there uh, when Jon Snow pets ghost. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Some reason Just that was pet. more of a catharsis for people. Well, well, for like some this, reason, these, I think we felt that catharsis a bit yeah. more there too. Yeah. There was those two guys that did a double high five in that moment. And yeah. It was just it was just perfect. That's exactly uh, what it deserved. But man, just having the the crowd explode in those moments. Uh, was so amazing. Uh, we are going to get to everything that we normally get to on Westeros Weekly. We're going to have a big question that we're going to tackle in a minute. Uh, we're also going to have a lot of other questions from you guys that we're going to go over, and our death pool finally has a winner and all, all oh, these yeah. things. Uh, but uh, first, we we just want to – we did a live show there, um, and we, we that was literally right after the episode ended, so we had real authentic – uh, snap reactions right then of just how we were feeling, uh, but we don't want to deprive you guys of that too. So we're just kind of going to give some of the thoughts we had about the finale, and this is the stuff. Uh, if you were of the people that were there in uh, at the live show, then you've heard this before. But for the rest of you, man, like like what a, what an episode, yeah. right? And it uh, it gave some sense of finality to um, all of the characters, especially if you look at you know the whole series, how much the Starks have been beaten down, and how this finale episode ended up as a victory for Team Stark in several different ways. Um, but also as a kind of the answer to the question we've had about Daenerys's descent into darkness throughout this season, how she uh, became a villainous character, and how that felt a little sudden in episode five. This episode kind of had some meta conversations, the debate between John and Tyrion, kind of serving as a, a surrogate debate that was happening among the fans over whether right. or not it was justified. Which is pretty prescient that they were able to understand what the arguments were going to be and, you know, was there enough? And I, I think that the writers were speaking through Tyrion, uh, and apparently this was very much needed when he was recapping all of the different, right. you know, essentially war crimes that Daenerys yeah. Targaryen has committed. He, they were kind of saying like, did you guys forget that she, she was on her way there the whole time, whether or not I still have, have issues with, with the exact way it was done. I'm making a whole other video about that, but I do think that they were absolutely right that, you know, the warning signs were there. Absolutely. And it felt like uh, this the whole season has been doing this, but kind of reminding us of everyone's past actions and their past journey. The way that scene reminded us of the fact that Jon Snow was resurrected. And this isn't just something that the show just did a couple seasons ago that we were meant to forget about and pretend never happened. No, they deliberately reminded us that he has this kind of power of the Lord of Light and he has this kind of symbolic uh, destiny that he's meant to fulfill. And in the breakdown, I get into more of the specific imagery of how that could be the case. And we'll talk about this on and on 
and, and weeks going forward. But uh, it, it, John did play a significant role. There were some potential prophecies confirmed by his killing of his love, Daenerys. Mm-hmm. She could potentially be a Nissa Nissa figure in the Azor High prophecy. We did see imagery of flaming swords when Drogon melt the Iron Throne. And the, uh, the world was rid of darkness in a way. Uh, Daenerys was an at least equally great threat to the livelihood of the people of Westeros that the Night King was. So uh, despite Arya serving as a champion of the Lord of Light in the Battle of Winterfell, you could definitely be argued that Jon was a champion of the Lord of Light in this finale episode. And I think just staying on this idea of the prophecies that came to pass or, or you know, were ignored potentially in this episode, just you're, so you have a whole video coming of uh, prophecies and theories yes. that, that were paid off, some that weren't. Uh, but I do want to acknowledge a more subtle one that was paid off. Uh, it's only subtle at first, or not subtle actually at first, uh, and that's the vision from the House of the Undying that Danny has where she's going to be walking through the Red Keep. The, the top is blown off. Turns out it was probably a mix of snow and ash is, is what was falling. Yes. And it, uh, they do a lot of shot-for-shot recreation, so we all remember uh, that that's playing out you know, exactly how it did then. The thing that I think we didn't realize then, but retroactively we could have realized spoiled all of Game of Thrones, was that uh, originally that vision that she had ends abruptly and suddenly she finds herself with Khal Drogo Mm -hmm. and her unborn child reunited somehow. Now, looking back, you can probably realize, oh, that's why. That's the last moments of her life, and then she's in the afterlife again with her, you know, the the man she loved and the the baby she never got to have. Carried by the dragon that is her son, in a way, metaphorically mm-hmm. speaking, and, and also represents Drogo, Drogo. Right. right? Yeah, so it does come full circle in that way. So if if you're willing to have a a detached look at some of these prophecies, which you should, because they are metaphorical. The show did deliver on these. It's it, they weren't just brought up, and hopefully the book will continue to, to explore them more because prophecies, mythology, still, yeah. yeah, the yeah, winds of winter and the dream of spring. We'll dig into these more because it's always been more present in the books, and they've been on the show. Uh, yeah, uh, real quick, I think we should also just uh, uh, this is just something we went over in in the live show, but I think it's worth acknowledging just some favorite moments uh, uh, from the episode. I know we we I think we both had you know a gasp worthy. Well, we had a couple moments i know we caught you on camera gasping uh, at a certain moment but uh when we reacted just to the wings of drogon spreading behind oh, yeah. uh, danny there just for a moment it felt like a nod to the theory that some people had which was maybe one of the craziest theories was at the end of the series you know daenerys the dragon inside of her would crack through her skin and she'd become a, a full-blown dragon right. it was it uh, created this illusion of metamorphosis physical transformation mm. the threat that the mad king Aerys II and viserys uh, promised that they had the power to do uh, daenerys is going a step further by showing she actually has the capability of dragon power and dragon fire. And that was just a little nod to the yeah. fact that uh, her mad brother and father made this promise. She's actually able to deliver on it. I like that you, you, you're making that point about metamorphosis too, because it is the, the straight up Kafka ver- version of it where you become the actual beast mm-hmm. fully. And if anything, that, you know, is what Daenerys was at the end where we don't think of dragons as necessarily they've gone mad, mm-hmm. right? It's just like the, a dragon is as a dragon does. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. there's there's uh, nods to like the Greek Ovid metamorphoses as well. This idea mm-hmm. of by uh, humans transforming into the beast, you kind of boil down to the pure essence of something that in a way becomes easier to destroy as though we saw Daenerys kind of melt down from a, a complex human figure to just a pure rage filled dragon who's willing to spread that rage and fire all over the world in a way makes it easier for Jon to kill her. Yeah. 
and then on the opposite side of the spectrum, I just love Sa- Sassy Sansa telling her uncle to sit down. No, yeah, <laughs> just, just real quick. I say it every year at Thanksgiving too. It never works. Yeah. She's kind of speaking for <laughs> everyone in that moment. Like, Ed Martelli, why are you even here? Well, it's here? just like, what? You don't you, even you go have, here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You had an episode, dude, right. basically, uh, and you were captured. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I love that moment. And I, I mean, obviously, the ghost petting, petting John moment. You can see me in that in that uh, moment freaking out and standing on, on someone's shoulders. Uh, yes. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, that final montage, beautifully composed yeah. by Ramin Jawadi, kind of the don't 11th fan of this show with, with the extra character who brings so much to this. Um, yeah, someone did put like a John Hughes kind of music over yeah, exactly. it with like cheesy um, um uh, epilogues. Recaps, uh, yeah, yeah. Epilogues. Uh, the, speaking of epilogues, though, I think we should probably uh, acknowledge just where these characters ended up and, and you know, how we feel about that. Obviously, Sansa, we, we were just uh, alluding to, Queen of the North. Yes, Queen yeah. of North felt like full circle for her. A lot of people were wanted her to be uh, Queen of Westeros as a whole, but in a way, just becoming Queen of just... Denorf as its own independent nation mm-hmm. is an even greater victory for her because that's where her true allegiance lies. And if she were queen of Westeros, it would be clear she would always show preferential treatment and potentially create further divisions and, and conflicts between the right. different kingdoms. She, you can't imagine her visiting Dorne. Right. right? That's, it's never been interesting. She's never had any luck south, and the Riverlands is always a, a dark time for and her. She I mean, her family doesn't have luck going south. Right. right. So in the north is where she belongs. This is what she's always wanted. And I think just she's always wanted independence and and autonomy for the North. So the fact that she was able to achieve that is in many ways an even greater victory for her than the victory for Bran was by by winning the Iron Throne or what's left of it. For me, I uh, I just saw it as Canada. Right, it's the formation of Canada, basically, where it's like, you know what, this thing is bigger than everything else, right? The, the North uh, on its own is incredibly vast. Of course, there's even beyond the North, but there's also beyond Canada, I've heard. It's where Santa lives. But, <laughs> well, yeah. and some our UK uh, listeners and followers may compare it to uh, Scotland and how recently Scotland wanted to secede from the UK. So that brings me yeah. to actually, I think that's more like the Iron Islands. Uh, oh, and sure. I think we are getting to to discuss that later in the episode of what's up with Yara Greyjoy and and where the current status of the Iron yeah. Islands. We'll have are. to talk about why haven't other kingdoms wanted in, or pushed for independence in that moment? Yeah. What about uh, the other people we saw at the in the little council? What did what you think of them? Where, uh, where they ended up? Uh, I thought it was fitting to see Sam become the Archmaester, uh, to see Davos become Master of Ships. Uh, a little odd to see Bronn become Master of Coin because I don't see that guy having any kind of financial mastery or expertise. There's no way he knows any math. Right. Yeah, at all. (laughs) Yeah. Even uh, Daenerys showed that she had trouble with math as a kid, not knowing the difference between 20 and 1,000. She kept saying that again and again. (laughs) She's like, remember, I got kicked in the head by a horse, and I don't know what 20 smells like. (laughs) So I think Bronn was given that position as kind of a punishment, because when uh, Tyrion was made master of coin by Tywin in earlier seasons, and it was kind of almost a slap in the face, the way uh, Cersei made Mace Tyrell master of coin in addition to master of ships, it's more of a burden than, like, a great job, but you can't, like, deny that Well, it's like the treasurer in your club who actually like decides whether or not you guys succeed yeah. but everyone you get hates to be treasurer, treasurer yeah. and it's just like the nerd who you just want to shut up so you give yeah. them that job also high garden is in the reaches like the one of the richest regions of westeros so maybe just by his financial 
acumen. Well, yeah, he exactly probably uh, discovered a lot of because I, I don't think they have digital banking. So I think in his castle there probably is just like a collection of prizes and and gold and whatnot yeah. that you know I guess he now owns. Yeah, I'm a little mixed in my feelings of seeing Brienne of Tarth become um, Lord Commander of the King's Guard. Not that she's not worthy of it. It just seems like the the monarch that she's more loyal to loyal to is the monarch of uh, the other neighboring independent country. She could be Queen's Guard to Sansa Stark of the North. She doesn't have to be Queen's Guard or uh, King's Guard to Bran Stark. You someone know, she hasn't really shown much loyalty sure, to. Sure, but but you could easily have seen had they known that Bran was still alive. Maybe that would have been part of the vow uh, to Catelyn Stark would just take care of my children. Sure, maybe. And then also, uh, she is someone who did not start in the North, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, she 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 looks good up there, but uh, she might actually like like going and running around a bathing yeah, suit. It seemed like the show wanted her in the South so that she could fulfill uh, Jamie's obituary and his epilogue. Because, Potentially. Because uh, that, that book moment was nice to see her fill in the Book of Brothers, uh, but it just seems something that was more for Jamie, trying to give us some closure on Jamie rather than closure for Brienne. Yeah, now I wonder if I mean, this is just a, a kind of a nerd question about, you know, if if one kingdom respects the the knighthood of another's, because technically she was knighted by Sir Jamie, mm-hmm. and so she might kind of belong in that line. Oh, to the a little yes. bit, maybe yeah, potentially. Sure. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, someone will correct me uh, aggressively. <laughs> yes. uh, so uh, actually, then in the live event here, one of my favorite moments is that we got to start us flew out to uh, winners that had been asking questions all season long, really great questions. Uh, and we actually um, had, so we'll, we'll, we'll revisit their questions uh, throughout this episode. But one of them is actually kind of, I think, like one of the big questions that a lot yep. of us have been uh, just debating about. And and thinking about and I love the way that our uh, Stardust winner Nevin put it so let's go ahead and play uh, Nevin's question from our live event so my question is is Bran the biggest evil mastermind of them all (laughs) yes because he literally warged himself into the Iron Throne great question by the way that whole uh, live show you can listen to the audio version of it on our podcast feed if you go to the Westeros weekly feed you can listen to our our whole discussion it's a a really fun event Uh, that's, uh, that's all there also just Really quick, uh, we got to give uh, a thank you to a uh, sponsor that helped us make this whole series, uh, all of Westeros Weekly this season. So it's a quick shout out to Postmates. You can download the Postmates app for iOS or Android for free and get whatever you want delivered year round. Browse local stores and restaurants, and you can track your delivery along the way, which I get obsessive about doing. Uh, Postmates brings you what you want within the hour, but 24 hours a day they have that available. I literally, I swear to God, I used it in the middle of the night last night uh, because I was I was super hungover, as I said. But uh, but also, and I just needed. Uh, some carnitas and I got some uh, so that's uh, seven days a week 365 days a year Uh, food groceries whatever you need delivered they have the largest on-demand merchant network in the known universe uh, which they've checked I'm I'm sure has been verified the only thing they can't deliver is any more Game of Thrones episodes unfortunately but uh, for a limited time time, Postmates is actually giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days that you use it. So to start those free deliveries, 100 bucks free delivery credits, download the app right now, use the code ROCKSTARS. That's the code ROCKSTARS. Again, $100 of free delivery credits for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Get anything you need, anytime you need it, download Postmates and save with the code ROCKSTARS. Okay, so we're um, answering this question about... The big question. The big question. What was Bran's plan? Was this whole thing that we saw at the end of the show Bran's plan 
all along. Is from he the a beginning. master manipulator? Yeah. Yes. Which uh, it's interesting because you can you can look back at uh, the past season uh, or the past series really, but it all ends with Bran as the unexpected winner of the Game of Thrones because he knows everything past, present, and future, uh, and we know he saw this coming because he told Tyrion, "Why do you think I came all this way?" Sassy little. So it's possible that he didn't see every move moment to moment, but he knew enough to know that he would become king and that he would have to take the crown um, to serve as Lord Protector of the Six Realms. Well, and to reminder, he was offered uh, to be the the Lord of, uh, you know, in the north of, of Winterfell. Uh, and in the Warden of the North, and, and you, know, you probably maybe have seen the, the meme where essentially he's like, oh, no, no, thank you. I don't really want anymore. And then it's like, oh, what about King? He's like, why well, you came? I think I came all this way. And it's like, oh, so was that a lie? But I think we're fine. I mean, our, my assumption at least is no, it actually was. I don't really want your nonsense because that's not part of the bigger plan. Right. Or you can also read it as Bran didn't want this lower level position as part of his destiny to show the world that he does not want power. So if he was Warden of the North, that would count against him during this big council meeting. It was like, well, he took this this lower level position of power, Warden of the North, a Lord of Winterfell. So the guy does want power. Instead, Tyrion can better make the claim that this right. is the one person here who does not want any power. He doesn't want any part of the political games. That makes him that much more worthy of taking the role as king. Also, look at any person who's made it clear that they do want to be king or queen. It does not end well for them. Yes. Everyone who's wanted it has lost in some way or another. Yeah, so Tyrion to... early, earlier in the episode told Jon, nothing's more dangerous than the rightful heir to the Iron Throne, which I think is kind of the deeper theme of this, this episode. And you could argue the whole series that really it's super dangerous when you have someone who has risen to a certain level of power who wants more power and they're within arm's reach, uh, arm's reach of it you got to watch out for that person. So instead, it's kind of like what Tolkien has said in Lord of the Rings, that the Hobbit is the most worthy of bearing the ring mm-hmm. because their souls are the most uncorruptible. They're humble. They have no want for power. They're both physically and metaphorically with uh, a way of arm's reach of any real power. So right. uh, in the same way, I think Tyrion is kind of alluding to that argument with Bran. He's, well, he's the most worthy because he doesn't want it. And I think also Tyrion is alluding to that. We joked a lot in the live show about what a dick na- nickname he could them, Brand the like, broken. So Brand the broken over here, and Santa's like, and his dick don't work. Uh, but he keeps repeating Brand the broken, Brand the broken, and it's like, yeah, we get it. You want the nickname to stick, but actually, if you think about it from this perspective of he's trying, he's also doing a PR move right, right there of explaining this is a different system, and that does actually work for of, of all people uh, standing there, right there, uh, Grey Worm, right? Mm. He was following the person who wanted to break the wheel. Well, how about the broken boy, the broken right. man, right? That that doesn't sound like something that's from the previous wheel. Also, he knows something about wheels. Yeah, that's true. But let's look, look back at Bran's moves. How far back was this plan in place? Right, has he been little finger from the beginning? Yeah, basically? and we can look at early, early on in season one, he received that cryptic dream from the three-eyed raven that he didn't understand at that moment um, that you will fly. And in the books, he had the dream of flying over Westeros, seeing over everything. And then when he actually met the three-eyed raven, he told him, you'll never walk again, but you will fly, which... 
Tyrion alludes to in this scene. Right. The boy who never walked again, but he flew. So maybe from that level, uh, from that moment, uh, Bran is starting to see a future for him, for himself. Uh, and then in season six, once he becomes the Three-Eyed Raven, he actually had a vision of much of the conflict to come over the next couple seasons. He saw Wildfire tearing through the, the tunnels beneath right. King's Landing. He saw the shadow of the dragon. He saw the shadow of the dragon. Daenerys' dragon, Drogon, flying over King's Landing and burning it. So he knew that both Cersei would become a Mad Queen and Daenerys would become a Mad Queen, things that would cancel each other out and create a, a power well, void. And then later on comes to realize that Jon Snow is Aegon Targaryen. Yes. So if he's he knows that secret paired with the fact that there's going to be this issue between Daenerys and Cersei and he knows there's a rightful king, he also knows that he can divide up the the faith behind Daenerys by telling Sam and letting the word get out that Jon is actually the true heir to the Iron Throne. So that move right there telling telling Sam at all could have been a strategic move just to, to set up uh, Daenerys' split of her, her counselors. Absolutely. And it's also a strategic move to tell Jon, it's your choice in the godswood to tell his sisters. He is empowering Jon to make these decisions so that later that will have a ripple effect when he's talking to Tyrion, who also says in this episode, they don't, she doesn't get to choose, but you do. You know. And then uh, when Daenerys, when they're embraced in that moment, they, she says that the other people who might know what's good in the world don't get to choose we get to choose. So John in that moment feels that sense of power. It honestly goes all the way back to when Aemon, Aemon Targaryen at the wall said, uh, a day will come when men get to cho choose between duty and love. And that choice, uh, Bran is uh, lighting a blaze in John so that he will fulfill his destiny as this Azor high figure mm -hmm. to be the one to kill Daenerys, which will also take him off the playing board as well. Yeah. And I'll just throw out there, obviously, uh, we've we've talked about this. Does he get the the Night King off of the board just by giving Arya the dagger? Oh, for sure, uses, right? Absolutely. He's just like, all right, we'll take care of that. Arya will move move uh, move in and take care of that threat. Uh, and then I'm still playing the political game on the side. And that's why, man, I wish we knew exactly what he told Tyrion in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, the 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 battle of uh, at the Battle of Winterfell, where that whole conversation could be like, you know, I mean, like, I don't, I should never be king. I'm not saying me. But whoever is king should, you know, like maybe be a kid yeah. who's a teenager who's also yeah. a thousand years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be for us to argue over and over the ages whether Bran wanted this, mm -hmm. whether he's like a, he has ambition, a lust for power the way Littlefinger did. And Littlefinger was like manipulating things behind the scenes, using chaos as a ladder. I don't personally read Bran that way. It's hard to judge a book by its cover. <laughs> You were trying work. to make a tree joke about trying Bran? to trying to reach for a tree joke there. Yeah, um, I see Bran as someone who's telling the truth when he says he doesn't want it. I by seeing these things in the future, I think the way time travel and visions of the future work on Game of Thrones, you can't change it. It's fixed on a destined, predestined path, and he's just playing his role in that destiny. And he views probably someone who has a. Uh, impartiality toward the events and the conflicts of Westeros, someone who's never really killed anyone as the most right king figure to end this Game of Thrones and lead it to a potentially peaceful scenario where future rulers are chosen rather than born. Yeah, we went into this in the live show a little bit, but 
you know the the concept of democracy clearly is a little far too off right for, yeah there's still uh, a couple generations yeah, away from direct uh, democracy we're talking about america right uh but then uh the concept of of an oligarchy or or, or whatever it exactly is that they they have that is such a huge leap that is a broken wheel that that would take a level of foresight uh you know that only one person has yeah and you could argue that in the early days of the american republic that was the sort of the system that the founding fathers envisioned not a direct democracy where presidents unfortunately are not chosen through a, a popular vote but uh a, a republic an electoral college or a, a representative yeah, yeah, yeah. government yeah. uh senators were used to be chosen yep. by um you know states uh, rather than direct democracy right, within exactly. states it, they wanted these barriers to mob rule which i think is what a lot of these elitist lords of Westeros are worried about this mob rule where really these savages that are our people are going to vote decide who leads them um it a republic a republic is a step away from that where it's still a form of representative government uh but not a direct democracy because I guess these people are elitist oligarchs who believe that people cannot be trusted with that power but hey maybe someday in the future cool uh, so I think uh, that mostly covers it that, yeah, he's a master manipulator. He's been playing everyone the whole time yeah. or not. Uh, I think it'd be fun. Let's let's put on the timeline maybe to to string together a video compilation of just all the brand's moments and we'll see how they, how they play how when you put them up. all yeah. back to back. Absolutely. Uh, time to move on to yes. another section uh, of the show that we do uh, before we get to more questions. Uh, we always mourn the lost. Uh, their watch is ended. Yes. So we call this. In memoriam here. Our little in memoriam. And there's only one character we want to focus on here. Yeah, one big character, Daenerys Targaryen, the mother of dragons, the uh, unburnt is, is that dead. badass still from yes. the movie Frozen? Yeah. Uh, where it's, yeah, she's oh, letting it go. Yeah. yeah. The uh, Daenerys actually is interesting. We'll, we'll talk more about some Lord of the Rings parallels, but you can compare Daenerys' arc here to Gollum, someone who's turning uh, into full corrupted with her lust for power, and the Iron Throne being kind of a ring of power kind of figure. Uh, but yeah, she she her lust for the Iron Throne uh, blew up in her face. Um, and over you could argue over the past two seasons she's been gradually slipping into this path of darkness um i i agree that last episode it was a bit abrupt to see her go full crazy and and decimate sorry i keep saying decimate i get it right destroy not decimate half a mate uh, her, yeah. street by street of innocent people she did not need to do that and whatever argument or justification she, she tried to use will never make sense to me because she could have just aimed directly for the Red Keep. But you can see how she snapped and emotionally why she made that choice. Especially Amelia Clark's performance yeah. showed you. Because they didn't give her lines to, to do no. it. She did it on her face. And you know what? Kudos to Amelia Clark in her portrayal of her death scene. I thought the acting of that scene between Kit Harrington and Amelia were, was amazing. Uh, she played it with such steadfast conviction. The smile that she had on her face. On her face if only you could see what I could see. It's difficult right. to see things that have never been. Uh, it's sad for her because you believe her in that moment yeah, but you just know that she's wrong she's also the most human she's been in seasons in that moment in fact i think she probably went back to like a season two season three daenerys performance there and just reminded you of the young girl with a vision yeah clark had said that in her final breaths that she was trying to show that vulnerability of herself as a little girl in season one there you go and that's why she keeps referencing it uh but i will point out okay I'm not saying Daenerys did nothing wrong, but Daenerys did nothing wrong. No, that's not true. I think it was very bad too. But uh, we do got to acknowledge, so she wanted to break the wheel, right? Yes. 
does she actually break the wheel if she takes power? No. And she she's, said she ousted a tyrant, but she's replaced she's Cersei with an even worse tyrant. Her, her, yeah. Herself is she's going to be this this awful dictator. We can all see where it's going. But by burning all these people and making it so that her lover feels that he has to kill her and that her most trusted advisors, you know, all feel like, yes, she needs to die, then they result in a whole different system of government after that. Yeah. Did she not break the wheel by burning down King's Landing? Was it required? Yeah, I, I believe so. And I think by breaking the wheel, she might have forgotten that she's also part of that wheel. And then that wheel of a different house sigils that we see in the opening credits among them is the Targaryen dragon so by breaking the wheel she has to go down with that wheel and open the door for someone unexpected to take power after that also as we mentioned before her her death does serve as this kind of sacrificial metaphorical figure Mm -hmm. to the Lord of Lights uh, Azora High prophecy being fulfilled Um, she just represented so much darkness in this in these final episodes Mm -hmm. that she needed to die in order for there to be any kind of dream of spring a light bringer too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, that's our in memoriam. Uh, we miss you, baby. Yes. Uh, but uh, let's move on to more questions. Oh! oh, I forgot that's part of this show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Man. At Suited Dragon wants to know where is John going? That's okay. So question. at the end there. Uh, so in our final shots, uh, we see a real good boy get his pets, mm-hmm. uh, and then we see John end the episode and the whole series. This is the last stuff we see by riding north beyond the wall or mm-hmm. what's left of, of it the partitions uh with Tormund and the rest of the remaining wildlings so he's either some people think that he was going to be the now the leader of the wildlings but i think that immediately would be abandoning what he he just had been given uh so i think he's probably more likely to be scouting uh, either a new location for them, like potentially taking them back to hard home or something like that, uh, and just giving a home back to the wild lanes. Remember, he he um, took these people from the place that they call their home and the true north. They don't think of the north as you know actually that uh, anything close to with their home. They've been offered lands there before, and they uh, said they weren't into it. Uh, that was uh, his vow back when he um, uh, was with Egret was that he would be able to uh, bring her, bring them back. Uh, also, this episode um, had Grey Worm and Brienne kind of pay o- oh, uh, yeah. homage to their dead loves, a lot like John is doing right here. Uh, uh, kind of like putting flowers on the grave a little yeah, bit. For yeah, for Egret, yeah. Um, but also, I think that, you know, we talked a little bit about what uh, the imagery of that last shot is and what's, what, you know, it reminded us of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at the the imagery of these living, breathing humans mm-hmm. going northward and disappearing into the mysterious forest, so many of the shots in this final scene echoed the prologue scene of the series of the three Night's Watch rangers uh, going north of the wall and seeing these this evidence of this creepy existential threat from the White Walkers coming south through the trees of dead children resurrected with blue eyes as these kind of zombies um this is kind of a direct thematic counterpoint to that of showing humans going further north and there's also i think it's important that we see children uh and john is entering the forest he is basically a resurrected figure uh children of the forest maybe you could argue in in some kind of fan fiction future that we all have of the show could john become 
a new Night King type figure. In the Game of Thrones books, there's uh, they don't have the Night King as we saw him on the show, at least yet, but there is a character named the Night's King who was a former Lord's Commander of the Night's Watch who fell in love with a, uh, some thought was a... A bear. A, or, yeah, <laughs> no, or yeah, a kidding, White kidding. Walker yeah. woman yeah. and became this kind of mythologized figure of the Night's King. Right. Is John going to fulfill that kind of destiny and become this kind of half-human, half-resurrected zombie figure who just lives in the North in his days uh, until he dies or never dies. We got a lot of shows coming where uh, that that could actually happen. Whoa! Uh, Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, I hope it just gets louder. At Moogle Queen asks, why didn't the other kingdoms want to be independent? That's what we teased a little bit uh, earlier and why I think that if you rewatch the scene in the Dragon Pit, uh, Sansa's like, uh, you know what? The North is going to stay independent. Immediately cuts to Yara and she's like, what? (laughs) <laughs> that, like we, we could ask that yeah that's an option <laughs> uh, uh but uh so it it is a, a really really great um question because that moment seemed like it should be available to everyone there so then why doesn't yara do, uh ask for the same thing for the iron islands also why doesn't dorn ask for right the same it's thing? interesting because yara Greyjoy had been promised some kind of autonomy and independence by daenerys and dorn historically has always been the part of the continent that the targaryens have struggled to invade and control i think a good answer simply is that Sansa Stark and the northern forces are surrounding the city right now, whereas militarily speaking, there is no remaining navy of the Iron Islands. Euron used all of it. It's been destroyed. And as far as we know, we don't know what the Dornish forces are. I think the last time we saw any kind of Dornish forces was the navy that Euron first sacked in Season 7, Episode 2. So it might just be a, a question of military might. The North still has a standing army that poses a threat to the Unsullied in in the south uh, whereas these other forces despite their promises that they've heard to them to them for independence uh, just don't have the the might to back it up it, it could be that i also think it could be a uh, a clue or a hint toward the dream of spring right which if spring is representative of peace uh, that's what Yara Greyjoy taking over the Iron Islands is supposed to represent, right? We we know that her family, you know, they don't sow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they they sack, they pillage, uh, and she vowed to change that. That if she were uh, selected as a, as the next leader, that she would reign, honestly, kind of like catch them up to Westeros because they were they were still from a, left over from a different time. In this version of government that uh, she's now this is witness to this this concept that maybe things can be different maybe we will actually be listened to now we'll be heard she's helping choose the king her vote technically would not have mattered if she voted differently mm-hmm. uh, but this is an example that things are going to be different and it potentially could be you know at least more peaceful for a time uh, and Yara Greyjoy's Iron Islands don't need to behave the way her fathers did yeah it, which was multiple rebellions and even throughout the show before the show uh yeah she's it, she's keeping up to her own vows yeah these kingdoms might see a benefit in trying to work with a monarch like brand the broken maybe they see some weakness there that they could try to exploit and they want to continue to try to play this game whereas sansa has made promises to her other northern bannermen that they would be an independent nation these other two didn't necessarily make that promise yeah speaking of uh the way that you could work with brand the broken and not 
not this council, but the small council. I think that there's a, it's very telling the way that small council is set up. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, but real quick, we just got to give a shout out to a few more sponsors uh, that help us bring Westeros Weekly to you and all, all of our Game of Thrones content uh, this season. Oh, yes. Starting uh, with uh, Care Of. It's a uh, subscription service that makes it really easy to get personalized vitamins and more delivered straight to your door. Now that Game of Thrones is over, maybe you have some more time to get back in your routine, help you feel your healthiest. With Care Of, you take a fun online quiz about your diet and lifestyle, and you get a personal science-backed recommendation for vitamins, protein powders, and more. They take the guesswork out of being healthy and make it really easy and convenient. Here, so this is like a box I was sent uh, from Care Of with just like these little packs of multivitamins, vitamin C, whatever I told them that I needed, and they determined for me that will help with my diet. Uh, and they have these packages. They're easy to grab and go. Like if you don't want to take it right away, but you know once you get to work, you'll be able to drink some water, and you can take them throughout the day when it's convenient for you rather than having a big pill bottle and you will easily forget about it. Those you just carry in your pocket. Um, and with the Care of app, you can earn rewards for taking your vitamins, which is great. It gives you kind of like, it's like Other a than health. Other than health. <laughs> yeah, it should yeah. be a reward in and of itself, yeah. but let's be honest, we don't always take care of ourselves. <laughs> this kind of makes it easy to track. Yeah. For 30% off your first Care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter promo code Westeros30. Again, that's takecareof.com and promo code Westeros30 for 30% off your first order. Isn't that great? So thanks to Care of for helping us out here. Um, and then our final sponsor this week is Away Travel. They're a design company that makes the world's coolest suitcases. They're made of a polycarbonate material that's strong and super light. Perfect for traveling north of the wall. If or your wildling friends and your dire wolf want to, you to go with them. To New York, we use these uh, Away Travel we did. bags. We Thank you so much did. for helping us with that too. Yeah. So this is their everywhere bag, which is just great for small trips and even just you know my day-to-day -day life. Some of their other models even come with a built-in battery to charge your electronic accessories. Very cool. Have that one too. Yep, you yeah. get your own cool away. You can get your own cool away luggage at awaytravel.com/rockstars and use promo code rockstars20 for twenty dollars off your order. Again, that's awaytravel.com/rockstars and use the promo code rockstars20 for twenty dollars off. Kaka! Oh, do we have another? Beat you to it, bird! Oh, he just spat it at us this time. <laughs> Maybe he's mad at me. Um, at Ron McDowell asks, why does Brand need a master of whispers? So this is what we were getting at a second ago. This idea of uh, Brand having a clearly a small council here that was, in my opinion filled an order of importance for yeah. what he needs and also for the time that we're going into. So a lot of people are asking here, uh, why does he need a master of whispers? Cause he knows everything, right? That's one of the, the big questions. Uh, but that's also, I think something that they're trying to point out to us is he also doesn't have a master of war yeah. either. Well, that, but what does he have, right? He has the people in place that will help rebuild. Yeah, reconstruction efforts, rebuilding the economy, and having, of course, a uh, king's guard and having an archmaster to remind us of history, which is something that's important to Bran. Uh, but in terms of a master of war, we should rem remind ourselves a master of war did not exist until Cersei recently reorganized a small cast, uh, council and then awarded that to her uncle Kevin as a way to try to reconsolidate power. It's, it's uh, some could argue, 
just like the Bush administration creating the Department of Homeland Security. It, it's not a historically thing. It just in that time, it became something right. that was needed. Uh, you could also say that like the Master of Whispers, this is something that like Varys held previously. It's something that Kyburn held uh, recently. It's it's almost like the Westeros equivalent to the FBI or a spy right. espionage network information. Uh, Bran, as a three-eyed raven, I think people sometimes overestimate his powers. We don't know if he can see everything to specific photographic detail. It seems like he gets these kind of metaphorical images that he has to reassemble in his head. Uh, maybe he wants a Master of Whispers as a way that, like, when we go through TSA, studies have shown that the TSA at the airport, don't listen, terrorists, doesn't always prevent. Like, you can actually slip through a lot of things, but it's therefore symbolic reminders to remind people, hey, you're being watched. Maybe don't try to screw with us. The 1984 Thought Police. Right. Yes. It's just the concept that they uh, will know what you're what you're doing is the uh, deterrent right. on its own. I also think, though, that it's kind of telling uh, what we're looking at here for where we're probably headed toward. And that's a post-war reconstruction effort, which would tell you if you're wondering what's Westeros like in a week, what's Westeros like in a year, and what's Westeros like in five years, there probably are going to be a lot of babies. But honestly, there's going to be a stimulated economy. I, I mean, this is like the nerdiest thing you can bring up, but they all, this is an infrastructure plan that they're going into. That's a lot of jobs for a lot of people. Uh, that's a lot of money needing to, to move around. That actually is a stimulus that a lot of like uh, uh, our country, honestly, is looking to, to, to go into an infrastructure plan uh, and rebuild the highways and, and do things like that uh, because it's so good for the people. So they probably are actually going to have a time of prosperity as well as a time of peace, which tends to mean a time of a lot of babies, which is going to replace a lot of dead people that, that recently did. There's a lot of real estate around uh, right now. I guess you have to uh, build it up yourself, too. But there you go. Even more jobs. So they're actually probably headed toward probably one how can i say probably a couple more times uh they're probably headed toward one of the most prosperous times of westeros history yeah and it's not necessarily proven that he wants a master he just noticed that there is no master of whispers or master of war and maybe that's just something that brand just happened to notice and it's he pointed out so that we can realize oh that's these things are not a priority right now for this current small council and leadership yeah that's come at me bird oh okay you want to take this one yeah I just want to know why the bird can't make it all the way over here if the bird can fly, but it can't make it to the other side of the table. He's got a human arm in him, too. It's weird. Baby birds do hop. It's adorable. At Ilana Loves DW uh, wants to know, what are the Unsullied and Dothraki going to do now? Okay, yes. That almost (laughs) cut my throat. throat. Um, So we know that Grey Worm and the Unsullied are sailing to the Isle of Noth. That was the homeland of Missandei. It's uh, south of Valyria. It's in the uh, continent of Sothros, which is it's south. There's a lot of islands there. It's pretty, it's, it, yeah, yeah, it's unexplored. What's interesting, they don't really address this in the show, but in the world of Westeros, um, they contain these flesh-eating butterflies. Right. That's their only manner of defense because the people of Noth are, are very trusting, unfortunately, and that's why they're prone to I mean, they're so slavery. trusting and weak that the butterflies were able to yeah, the butterflies them. They outranked yeah. them on the food chain. Right, right. So, but uh, they, uh, Davos did say that they're known for their butterflies, but they haven't been established as flesh-eating in the mm-hmm. show. Uh, anyway, so, but he's bringing them back, or he's it sounds like he's bringing Masande back to bury her there as they kind of promised each other in, uh, right before the Battle of Winterfell that we want to retire to the beach and maybe that seems like where the Unsullied are going to go. Also, she was implying that uh, she wanted her people protected. Right, so and to so they give could them be that protection an force. army there of, of protection. Yeah. Uh, not an army of people that will uh, procreate there and incre- increase the No, but the, these, these Southern Isles are often where slaves are, are 
gathered from. So it seems like maybe the Unsullied will kind of stop the slave trade to Essos. Yeah, you know, uh, hopefully word gets to Noth before they do, because otherwise it's like, hi, my name's Grey Worm. You guys don't know me, but uh, I think I should run things here now with my army, who we're not here to kill you guys, I swear. Like, yeah. it is a pretty intense story to try to catch them up on. Like, do you guys remember Masande? Oh, you don't? Okay, it's going to be very difficult right. to explain them. Yeah. The Dothraki are an interesting question, though, mm-hmm. because we did see a couple of Dothraki just kind of hanging out by the docks yeah. when uh, John was being brought when to When do the... you think the battle's going to happen? It's like, yeah. that already happened, man. Well, you would think one of them would at least give John a stink eye for killing their Khaleesi, <laughs> but um, they're known as, like, kind of these Viking Genghis Khan style mm-hmm. warriors, they rape, they pillage, they they don't really settle places and they don't like they, they don't make good neighbors. They also follow, by the way, the the person who killed their cow. That's yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so not I, not to not, not to say like that they would follow. John. I don't think they're gonna follow John either. Yeah. I just mean like, you know, they're loyal with limits. Right. So I would assume they're going to move on. Maybe the fact that they were shown by the doc shows that they're going to sail somewhere else to one of the free cities or back to Essos or Yeah, I mean they have uh Via Stothrak, right? That's a whole uh city where they reign supreme or, yeah. or area. It was burned down or the temple well, was the burned temple, down. But, but yeah. and, and all the old calls are gone, so there's a there's a power void there too that they can fill. Yeah. yeah. They could become a new mercenary army. There's there's lots of options for it, them. Yeah, if you're if you're a Dothrak, you're you're okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. So, uh, M R Pivs asks, how is Tyrion not mentioned in A Song of Ice and Fire? Yeah. So, yeah. how did he not make it into the book? First of all, I I know that uh, you know when it was Archmaester Ebros, we had already kind of seen him. Was like, oh, I'm Doc Bowes that I'm chronicling the wars following the death of King Robert uh, the first. And he had that, you know, why don't you give it a, a better name uh, moment. I still wish that Sam was the one that wrote the whole thing. And maybe if it was something like that, of course, Tyrion would have made it in. But it also, I think it's kind of calling out that uh, history isn't about the the people who, you know, uh, just played a role. It's what Tyrion said, right? It's about the story. Right. And you, you follow people in these stories. And in our own history, you know, we know... Uh, the generals of the Civil War, and we know the president at the time. Uh, we don't know, you know, some of you do, but the, the chief of staff of the president at the time, right? The great counselors at the time. I mean, Lincoln famously had his team of rivals that were uh, advising right. him. But can you name that many of them? You I can't name Sam them, but Peach you know Ace what? Like, one, if you so. open a good history textbook, they tell you. They tell yeah. you who, like, who was on his team of rivals and Seward and his, uh, you know, all the other people. You know who Henry Clay is if you're taking a push. Uh, even though he wasn't a president, he was a guy who brokered a lot of big deals. The way Tyrion has kind of been. But so, but you have McGraw Hill and you have uh, the P one or whatever. The you people's have all history. These, yeah, you yeah. have all these different textbook companies, like all of, you know comparing notes and, and putting their versions out they got one yeah i think right. this was like a moment that's kind of in a on the surface jokingly shortchanging Tyrion as the guy who has been told before that his uh, whatever he does will not make it into the history books just because he in his words is an imp and people never honor them properly but i like to see it as his story is still yet to be written the same way that brienne had to kind of fill in jamie's obituary and kind of tell his story Tien, uh, Tyrion's task is still ahead of him. Uh, like he has to fix all of his mistakes. He has to spend the rest of his life rebuilding this country. So he his story is still yet to be written, and hopefully uh, Sam can add a chapter once Tyrion fixes everything in Westeros. Yeah, here's here's a uh, for those of you uh, Tyrion fans. Uh, right now isn't the time, but he totally could be the next king. Right? Sure, you know he could Bran, be chosen. Bran, we don't know what's going to happen with Bran. Uh, one honestly he's either gonna live a thousand years he's gonna turn into a tree he's gonna go move into a cave 
or you know he's just kind of a mortal man and he, he could die it, i mean people with his kind of injury honestly they do tend to die younger mm-hmm. uh you know but so so do people with uh what uh Tyrion has so but if he does live long enough i think he could be exactly the person who i was just talking about the prosperity they're about to have it could be him as the architect of it who essentially can run on a campaign of that in the future yeah for sure oh we have another question here okay uh at the, the bird reading is louder otter. than it is efficient in any other way yes it is um the reading otter wants to know why does the night's watch still exist yeah that's a good question we saw at the end of the episode not much of it exists like there are people in castle black but it seems most of them are wildlings and torment uh westeros uh, we should acknowledge still needs protection from whatever might be north of the wall uh, it seems like the night king the white walkers that threat is vanquished but uh they could rise up again there could be other unforeseen threats really the wall represents a fear of the unknown whatever is beyond that yeah. uh, night of dark that's yeah, full yeah, of tears did you just say it really briefly the wildlands like could i yeah. mean torment is is a character who's gone through right. a real it wasn't just change. the white walkers in fact most of the night's watchmen at the beginning of the series were just going out and fighting wildlings. wildlings yeah. yeah but then also uh i like to think of the night's watch as the um the solution that is instead of execution and a true jail or prison it's kind of a men's work colony right a penal colony where you can um find redemption right and so that gives you the solution of people who break these you know antiquated laws a lot uh, in a lot of scenarios where they don't deserve death they also don't deserve you know slavery or extreme imprisonment but they need to be punished in some way and i think it's actually one of the most advanced things they have is this alternate punishment Right, uh, a way rather than execution, a, a way forward to come back from the brink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got another one, bird. Oh, war! Oh, war! It's learning to speak. It's learning <laughs> war. At Chaz Trucker Forty asks, why would Drogon melt the throne? Wait, the, the, it doesn't even have to do with war. The bird just unprovoked said war. Just is that a threat? Oh, war! war. war? Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. War. <laughs> war. What is it? Work on your for? diction, bird. Um, So dragons do have a special connection to their riders, and all the dragons have had a special connection to their mother, Daenerys, the three that we've seen on the show. Um, She didn't have to scream Jakaris every time she wanted Drogon to torch something in King's Landing, or like what, like in other battles, the dragons just kind of knew, you know, kind of um, ESP. Or she tugged in her ear, I think, is what it was, right? Baseball signals. So um, likewise, I think he knew that her drive to sit on that throne is what ended up killing her, Mm -hmm. uh, that like he kind of recognized it as the true evil that was corrupting all these characters like the ring of power that needed to be destroyed they do have these this kind of magical cosmic understanding of how things work um so that could have been the reason why i, I do mean, like that some people said that he thought that danny just tripped and then fell on one of the swords yeah and or he's like mad he, at it now he sees a pointy thing through her sees a bunch of pointy things over there that did it yeah, yeah. um so i think that kind of uh that cosmic understanding is uh, the best interpretation we have of that yeah um, most advanced figure oh hi at Tess, Sylvia, or it's Sylvia, asks, where did Drogon take Danny at the end of the series? Right, so the closest we get to hearing where Drogon is, and ideally he hasn't dropped her off in the ocean on his way, uh, is we heard that he was spotted flying east. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, anything. I think we can, it's, it's hard to find those uh, thoughts reliable, but I think a dragon is something that people will spot as it goes around. Uh, so it probably is on its way to or even beyond Essos, um, 
it could be going back toward the the great grass sea of the Dothraki, yeah. uh, where he was born. Sure. In that area, and also, you know, it's very significant to his mother. Uh, there's also old Valyria, where dragons originally came from. Yeah. Uh, it's also where Targaryens came from. Yeah, and there's a theory yeah. that Drogon might actually be a female, or might have laid some eggs or something in oh, old God, Valyria. God, I hope so. And that's why Tyrion might and Jorah spotted uh, Drogon when they were going through the Doom of Valyria. Um, or maybe he could be going back to the Shadowlands east of uh, Asai, you know, and there's the, some people say that's where the, the eggs came from mm-hmm. originally, so he could be going back to the source of the eggs right. and where other dragons might still be. The, there. Uh, a lot of people, there's two theories out there I want to acknowledge really quick. One is that Drogon is taking Daenerys somewhere to be resurrected by a red priestess or something. Ooh. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. Uh, I think it would kind of shit on the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but there's another theory that dragons, uh, by re-entering t- uh, history in, in this place, this is also the rebirth of magic. Uh, for these people and obviously magic has played quite a role uh on this show so i think i just want to acknowledge right there that yeah i'm really into the idea that drogon somehow begets more dragons uh whether or not it's frog dna or what it is that does it uh that's what i'm hoping for for sure uh so we got another question but this one's actually uh you stay right there bird you don't move because this one is uh also from our uh new york show where we had our other stardust winner uh, ask a question live on stage with us. So let's kick to that question from Carly Ann. Hi guys. Um, so I'm wondering, I think, and this is probably a big question, where is Arya going? She's going west of Westeros. Is that a new series? What could we find there? It's past the edge of the map. Love to hear what your guys are thinking because I want to know where Arya is going. That's the next show I'm watching. All right, give, give it up for Carly Ann. Great question. And love the costume. A very... Uh, Yes, yeah. Cersei Lannister Cersei and inspired. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, what do you think? All right. Yes, I a wonderful question, and I I love the mystery and the promise that it opens up. Uh, west of Westeros is completely off the map, completely unknown. We don't know what kind of globe we're working with here in Westeros. So yeah, speaking. she better hope it's not actually flat. Right. <laughs> I like the idea that things are expanding in all different corners of the globe, right? John is going north. Uh, um, uh, Grey Worm is going south to the Isle of North. Watch out for those right. butterflies, by the way. They're supposed to be poisonous yes, to the Isle yeah. of North. Drogon uh, uh, no. and Daenerys' corpse are going east somewhere, and some have wondered, are they going to the mm. old we'll touch on that in Valyria? A yeah, uh, 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 but they are going east, and then uh, Arya is going west. Things are expanding beyond the continent of Westeros, which is no longer a focus of concern. It's what's next and what is beyond the edge of that map. Uh, so with Arya, I, I like to think there's another continent over there. Maybe she'll just go all the way around and then she'll be back in the Shadowlands that are east. Uh, and she'll find, as we did when we explored west, oh, it all connects. This is actually round. Uh, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of parallels, obviously, with the, the world of Westeros and Earth. And, I mean, honestly, she's set up to potentially encounter a bunch of natives and then give them malaria. You know, like, like I, think, I think that's where we're headed. Oh, cry me a trail of tears. That was great. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much to uh, Stardust for flying those two out. Uh, Nevin's the one that, just to be clear, got that joke in at the end, which was so uh, so great. Yeah, yeah, but uh, moving on, moving on. To uh, our kill count. So, again, not a ton of bloodshed uh, in this episode, except um, John, of course, killing 
uh, Daenerys, always be my queen. And then uh, Grey Worm, who we saw kill one Lannister soldier, but probably killed everyone in that lineup. Right. He's moving on to the next one. So some, so some dead. He yeah. wins that kill count, I guess, if we're, if we're looking for winners in that yeah. moment. But it was an act of war. Or uh, what is it? Well, not an act of war. An act, act, a war crime? A war crime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and moving on to <laughs> the uh, death pool. So at the beginning of the season, we invited all of you to participate in a death pool at guessthethrone.com. Over 2,000 people participated. And we had one winner. Isn't that crazy? One person, one person got essentially everything or, right. Or at least yeah, the or most. Close, close yeah. to everything right. And, and nailed the three bonus questions of who would die first. Um, uh, this was this person's name. It's Tammy. Tammy, uh, thank you and for participating. And well done. Okay, so Tammy got the three bonus questions right of who would die first, which was Beric Dondarrion, of the different options who were given. Um, who would die last? Daenerys on the show and who would sit on the Iron Throne she correctly guessed that it was Bran so uh, Tammy we aren't able to find your information because uh, we weren't able to get on the site yep. but tweet at us let or, us know uh, let us know but uh, then send us a DM uh, so yeah. we can start a conversation with uh, what we got for you uh, I also uh, uh, off screen producer can you uh, tell us what places we came in what, what would I come in Philip was in uh, tied for 398 8th place oh wow wow 8th place of 2000 Oh, 398th. I came in 398. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, I Oh, bummer. I was ahead of you for... Uh, yeah, I don't know how I missed on Mira Reed. She Can wasn't in the show at did? all. Does, how is that... Yeah, this, uh, this, I, the system was rigged. I thought Arya was going to die. I thought Varys would live. Uh, I thought Grey Worm and Jorah were going to die. Um, Tormund, how did he survive? That's so crazy. Uh, I do think I was right about the last person to die. Yeah. I said Daenerys. Mm. Uh, yeah, die. and I missed all the bonus questions. I, I said that Euron would be the first to die. I said that the Night King would sit on the Iron Throne. Yeah, I was, I was pretty bad. And you said the whole thing was a dream, right? That was yeah. a, your, your it was all a dream. Yeah. Um, and off-screen producer came in tied for 86. Uh, well, too bad you're just doing a bird victory arm. dance. Yeah, uh, and you can't you can't uh, work for a living. Yeah, um, <laughs> and now it's time for our power rankings. It's part of the show where you guys decide who you thought won the episode. This is an interesting one. We sent out our Twitter poll last night. Last night, you voted. It's fairly even, uh, but in third place, twenty four point eight percent said. Bran, Bran the Broken, the, the new king of the, the six kingdoms. Of the six realms, uh, but not seven, so maybe that's why he didn't come in first place. Right, right. Uh, and, yeah. and maybe it didn't feel like so much of a victory since someone else gave him that victory, which is our second place winner with 27.2% of the vote, Tyrion Lannister. Uh, it seemed to be like a more of a power player that episode. More of you felt that he was uh, the power winner. Well, I mean, dude, he comes out of uh, a prison cell uh, gets told by a Grey Worm, you're a prisoner, you're not here to talk, and then delivers a monologue for four minutes where he decides the king of Westeros. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good enough speech, you, you get powerful. some votes. Um, but yeah. first place, most of you felt, with 29.5% of the vote, Sansa Stark, queen, queen of the North. Sit down, uncle. Yeah, definitely Sit a down. powerful <laughs> uh, victory for her. So whatever you felt that maybe she deserved to have the Iron Throne or to be ruler of Westeros, this, in more ways uh, than some, are, are is a big victory for her and we should all feel great for it I'm surprised john didn't end up in the top three personally speaking maybe people felt that his uh, sentence Lord to Commander the night's watch yeah I but mean. that's a powerful thing he was able to fulfill destiny and kill the mother of dragons and got away with it i think it's about the well technically i mean according to them exactly they, what he justice. wanted to go back north with his dog how is that a prison sentence yeah, I mean, maybe he would have been fourth. I want to give a shout-out real quick to uh, Bran, because that was a really funny picture we had of him. But he had that those cherry red lips that I have, and I so often feel very alone about. Uh, and uh, I, I see you, my Kool-Aid drinking brother. I never noticed. 
Yep. Well, uh, that's been enough for this Westeros Weekly. Not guys. for the whole season. We're going to make uh, at least another one of these and then uh, as many as you'll have. Uh, but thank you so much for watching or listening to these. Do not forget to just subscribe to the Westeros Weekly podcast feed. That I know for a fact is going to continue on whether or not we make exactly the same things on, on the YouTube channel. Uh, we got really interesting, very fun stuff actually coming yeah. for the uh, essentially Game of Thrones related stuff for the podcast feed. But then also our new MCU podcast feed, uh, Inside Marvel is doing great make sure to follow that one as well it's got all of our content about marvel in general but still remnants of our avengers and game stuff and what it all means yeah a lot of you are worried like oh we we don't have nothing to watch from you guys anymore guys we're just <laughs> getting started it's like we're the hbo promos of like it begins now like really we are rounding a corner and launching so many new things on this channel because of what we've been able to do with game of thrones so we're grateful that it existed we're grateful for all of you guys and we look forward to what comes next as you should as well uh, so make sure to follow uh, our our channel and our company uh, on Twitter at New Rockstars and all over the place on Instagram. We do all uh, sorts of fun stuff everywhere. Uh, and tweet us uh, anything related to Game of Thrones. Your questions ongoing, well, we're going to use them for video ideas. You can use the hashtag Westeros Weekly to make sure we find those. You can follow me on Twitter at Fimo and on Instagram at Philip Molina. You can follow me at EA Voss. All right. We've got a lot of great videos and podcasts coming up, so stay tuned. Guys, thank you so much for the season. Uh, we got so much more coming still about it. Thank you.